Greetings, everybody. Thank you so much for stopping by and making Paranormal Prowlers Podcast part of your morning, day, night. Guess what, you guys? Whenever you listen, wherever you're listening from, it is oh so appreciated. You all are rock stars in my book. Those awesome tunes that you just heard are, as always, courtesy of the amazing Bobby Mackey. And of course, I am your host, Tessa Morrow. We, of course, all know about the Bermuda Triangle which is worthy of its own episode at a later date. And back in May of 2022, I released the episode of the disappearances and other strange happenings taking place at Bennington Triangle, located in Vermont. Now, enter Alaska Triangle. It is the Bermuda Triangle of Alaska indeed, my friends. It's a large stretch of wilderness spanning between Barrow, Anchorage and Juneau. Planes, they have disappeared. People, sadly, have vanished. Thousands have gone missing in these parts. Alaska Triangle is home to many spooky residents, such as the much-feared Kushtaka who to this day, my friends, remains in the number one slot out of over four and a half years of episodes for the Paranormal Prowlers podcast. So kudos to the mighty spooky Victor that is Kushtaka, yet to be defeated. <laughs> we also, of course, have Bigfoot. Many upon many of sightings have been reported throughout the years. Some have even found hair believed to be from Bigfoot. Others have actually witnessed seeing a big hairy beast, if you will, swimming in the water. And believe it or not, some villages have even relocated due to encounters with the ever-so-aggressive, what they believe to be Bigfoot. Yes, not just a family or two moving, but full-blown entire villages. Makes you wonder exactly what went on there, what took place. I'd love to hear about those encounters to see why they would relocate entire villages. The Alaska Triangle is also said to be home to the terrifying Wendigo. I released an episode in mid-March of 2021 titled Death and Corruption, The Wrath of the Wendigo. And just like the Kushtaka, it is equally terrifying. The wilderness that is in the Alaska Triangle has the highest rate of disappearances in the United States, which is no easy feat and is absolutely spine-tingling. Since 1988, over 16,000 people have gone missing. But strange happenings and disappearances have been occurring here well before 1988. It is said that anywhere from 500 to 2,000 people go missing here every single year. One haunting example is one year alone when a whopping 2,833 people went missing. Before we get into some pretty terrifying stuff, here are a couple of fun facts here for you. Did you know that Alaska has more coastline than the rest of the United States combined? More than an impressive 34,000 miles worth. <laughs> That's cool. Then we also have here 
more than 3 million lakes and 3,000 rivers. Gotta love Alaska. Just went there once. Wasn't enough time. Been wanting to go back ever since. So someday. Missing people. The magic bus. UFO sightings. A serial killer who hunts his victims like a hunter would a deer. And more. We are going to get into all of that right now. As we know, thousands remain missing in Alaska, and every single year, hundreds more, if not thousands, continue to disappear. I'm going to talk about just a mere handful of people that have vanished and have never been seen again. Each missing person, there were searches conducted, whether by air, by foot, or boat. A worried community and a heartbroken family. In 1974, a woman named Sandra Lee Davis had moved with her family from her home sweet home in Utah to Chugiak, Alaska. And I understand where Sandra's coming from. She's leaving her home, everything that she's absolutely familiar with, the friendly faces of her friends and family, her favorite hangout spots, things that she's comfortable with, right? Then she moves to a place that might as well be a whole different country so foreign to her. She missed home. To her, Alaska was a beautiful place, but it was never home to her. Kind of like me in North Carolina. It's a great place to come and visit, but being so far away from my family, it's very, very hard. Anyways, so things get really rocky with Sandra and her husband, John. He demands a divorce from her. She's away from her family and friends. She has no sort of transportation, not much money, so... On August 30th of 1974, the very same year that she had arrived in Alaska, mind you, she leaves her home for, unbeknownst to her, would be the very last time. When she left that house, nothing was on her. No phone. I mean, obviously it's in the 70s, right? So it's not like now where every single person, their grandmother and infant child have phones in their hands. She had no money on her. Nothing. Her soon-to-be ex-husband and their children, well, they just assumed that she had gone to get some fresh air and clear her head, as she would often do this when things upset her. She'd just go for a walk. But this time, Sandra, she never returns. Her husband reports her missing and they interrogate him, but he passes a lie detector test and they do clear him. A scent dog does detect her scent at a nearby payphone, but her husband shares that the day before she had been using that phone. Supposedly, a note was found, and it read this, quote, It's too late to remedy anything, so instead of me going through life this way, it's better to leave. Take good care of my daughters and yourself. Take them to church. It's very important to me. Unquote. I don't know, you guys. To me, that sounds really suspicious and fishy. Something's just not right in this picture. Something is telling me that Sandra did not leave on her own free will and that something more sinister may have taken place. Because if she was going to just go and leave, right, why wouldn't she go back to Utah where she had been wanting to go this whole time, be reunited with her family and friends, go back home? Why would she leave her beloved daughters behind? I I don't know. But anyways, to this very day, Sandra has never been seen again. The year is now 1978, four years after Sandra had gone missing. Siblings, eight-year-old Amy 
and her brother, 13-year-old Scott Fandau. They had been accompanying their mother, Margaret, to go visit their aunt, Kathy, in Sterling, Alaska. They had spent some time at a nearby bar, and once it got to be around 10 p.m., the two women decided to walk the children back to Kathy's home, where they settled the children in for the evening, and then they head back over to the bar. Well, fast forward a few hours later, they arrive back home, and when they get there, they find a pot of water on the stove, and it's boiling. On the counter nearby is an unopened box of macaroni and cheese. Amy and Scott they were afraid of the dark. So the women, when they did not see the children, they assumed that they had gone over to stay the night at the next door neighbor's house. It's happened before. It's probably happened again. And since it is so late, they decide to call it a night. They go to sleep, assuming that the children are safe next door. Later the following day, Margaret, she's at work when she is told by the school that her children, they never showed up. Obviously, she is a distraught, mother upon hearing this news and she tries to leave work but her employer tells her that she is not allowed to leave i'm sorry but excuse the hell out of me i'm not a mother i don't have children i never will but if i did and i was in a situation where my child or children in this case had gone missing and some asshole with a power trip is telling me that i cannot leave i don't care what kind of job you have children first. So I would go total mother bear on that person and believe you me, there would be a mauling. Meanwhile, at Kathy's house, the next door children, they come over and they tell Aunt Kathy, hey, the kids, they never stayed the night. And guess what? They weren't in school either. To this day, those two sweet children have never been found. In 1995, 17 years after the two siblings have gone missing, World War II veteran Leonard Lane is in a joyous mood. It is the 4th of July. He is attending the annual Independence Day event where a parade is going on along with, of course, fireworks. Fairbanks, well, it does not disappoint. Everybody is having a great time. The fireworks are magical and ever so beautiful. The parade, it's spectacular. Well, Leonard, he decides to take a little walk. And many people who had seen him during his last known moments say that as he walked away, they noticed a slight limp. But the vet had a limp due to injuries he received while fighting in the Second World War. So his limping was nothing out of the ordinary. In fact, it would have been weird if he didn't have a limp. Sadly, he disappears and Leonard's never seen again. We are still in 1995, the same year where our World War II vet disappeared. Erin Marie Gilbert, she had really just been in Alaska for a short while, maybe a little over a year. She was a bubbly young lady who was very well liked. She was tall for her age and for being a woman, making her, along with her skills, a phenomenal basketball player. While she was great with the ball, her real dream was to someday become an author. One evening, she decides to go out with a man where they enjoy the Girdwood Forest Fair. It is said by her date that they went back to his car where they discovered the battery to be dead. He opts to go for help while she stays with the car. 
And after some time has passed, he returns and claims that she is nowhere to be seen. He searches for her for some time until he finally goes for help and reports her missing. He is eventually cleared of any wrongdoing, but to this very day, her beloved mourning family, who miss her ever so much, still thinks that something sinister took place with their sweet dear Aaron. Six years later, in 2001, Thomas Anthony Newsy disappears. He was a traveling nurse who traveled all throughout Alaska, and his home basically would be the hotels that he stayed at while working in the areas. And at the time of his disappearance, he had been staying at the Super 8 Motel in Anchorage. He was reported missing June 19th of 2001, when he is a no-show for work in nearby Bethel, which was really out of the character for Thomas, as he was rather a reliable young man. Before he went missing, he had been seen with this mysterious woman. Housekeepers for the Super 8 would later share that when they had gone to his room, they had seen a man who was not Thomas, and a woman who, we don't know if this was the same woman he was seen with prior, together in his room. Their identities, they're never revealed, and it remains unknown why these mysterious people were in Newsy's room. These people have never been located, and the only thing of Thomas Newsy's that they do find is his bike, which was discovered by his storage unit, and his Jeep, which was found 12 miles out of Anchorage. He is never seen again. Three years later, in 2004, a woman named Marianne Lynn Carver, she was enjoying herself on a celebrity cruise ship known as the Mercury, which was visiting the Alaska area. She does not share with any friends or family about this last-minute vacation, which is kind of weird, but things happen, I guess. She boards the ship in Seattle on August 27th of 2004. Carver's last known sighting is from a cruise crew member on the 28th. She had just been on the ship for one day. Her family, after not hearing from the young woman, they grow kind of concerned and they report her missing. Her things, they are found on the ship, but it is said that she never disembarked. The woman's cabin steward had admitted trying to report the lady as a missing person, but his superior told him not to do so, that they had it under control, and that they would be taking care of it from there on. That's super, super fishy to me. If somebody goes missing, you report it. If you didn't have any wrongdoings, you are innocent and truly concerned for another person's well-being for their life, you report it. Crap happens, you know, especially on a ship. I always see things about, oh, the person went overboard, things happened. So it's not like, oh my God, this has never happened before. We've got to cover this up. And every second you sit on not reporting something like this, it looks worse for the person who's missing. Sadly, the steward tried to do just that, to report her as a missing person. And unfortunately, his superiors told him not to do so. I just still can't believe that. To this very day, she remains a missing person. Two years later, in 2006, Richard Griffiths, he vanishes. Richard was an inventor who had been very, very proud of his newest creation, that being the Wilderness Survival Cocoon, which, for those in Alaska, I could see that being a very, very popular product, for sure. 
Now, he had full faith in his product, and he was super stoked to go into the Alaskan wilderness, what better place, right, and test it out. Well, fast forward months later, and he has not been heard from or seen. It sadly would take a year before anybody would report the ever-so-proud inventor missing. An investigation shows that Richard took a bus to the White River, where he spent some time at a nearby lodge, where he had told some folks that he was heading to McCarthy to go camping. He never came back. And to this day, he remains missing. Six years later, in 2012, Paul Lemaitre, just like our World War II vet Leonard Lane, goes missing on the 4th of July. And this is not the only similarity between the two men. They both were either at or in a big event. The vet being at the 4th of July parade, and Lemaitre, he was competing in the 85th edition of the Mount Marathon race. This marathon had its participants running through forests, into creeks, and much more, all within the Alaskan wilderness. The last known person to see the soon-to-be-missing man was a race steward who saw him at a turnabout just 200 feet from the finish line. The steward asked for his bib number, in which the man replied 548, the 65-year-old man who was in a marathon and very close to completing it, literally just 200 feet away, never crosses that line. It remains a mystery of what took place between the siding from the Seward and the 200-foot finish line. A search is conducted, but there is no sign of Paul. Dogs, they are brought in, but nothing comes of the search. He is a missing person to this very day. I mean, what in the hell happened? It's not like he hadn't been seen in several days. He was just seen, but something horrible happens between the 200 feet. But what? If he had fallen and had a heart attack or something, they would have seen him. They would have found him. If it was an attack like from a grizzly bear or something, you would think that somebody would have heard or seen something. But it's just a crazy mystery. To this very day, he remains missing. We are still in 2012 when Valerie Seifsoff vanishes. She was a young woman who was part of the, and I apologize that as I butcher this, Yupaik and Yupayak tribe. Her last known sighting takes place on July 7th, 2012, just three days after Paul vanished. She was last seen at Granite Creek Campground in Moore Pass, which is located just south of Anchorage. Now, prior to her disappearance, she had been extremely excited about planning her sister's baby shower. She was working so hard on it, and she would not have missed the special event for the world. That weekend, she had plans to go with her boyfriend, Elliot, on a camping trip. Now, according to Elliot, things are going fine until around midnight when they have an argument. Valerie becomes quite flustered, and she takes off into the night. Elliot searches for Valerie all night, but she never returns. Now, what's weird about this is that he could have called for help immediately, or at least the following morning, but he does not. He waits several days and does not report her missing until July 11th. 
every second a person is missing is crucial. So when somebody is hiding the fact that a person has gone missing from family, friends, and most importantly, authorities, that is always extremely suspicious to me. Like, why are you doing this? Law enforcement finally arrived to the last place that she was seen. Remember, this is days later. And between the time of their camping trip and the time that authorities finally get there, the area had been plagued with heavy, extreme, harsh winds and extremely heavy downpour rain, most likely destroying any type of evidence that had been lingering about. The search did result in finding some of her clothing, but to this day, Valerie has sadly never been found. Her distraught family continues to search for her. She was declared legally dead in 2016, four years after her disappearance. We are still in 2012, the same year that Paul and Valerie went missing. So does Marianne Alexi. Life has definitely thrown some challenges to the 32-year-old Alaskan native. She was born in Fairbanks. She was married. She had four children. But sadly, her marriage was plagued with domestic disputes. And it wasn't just one-sided. Both of them were involved in the disputes. She had issues with alcohol, so when she went missing, it was considered an endangered case. On October 9th of 2012, she moves to Anchorage. She was sick of how life was going and wanted to just start fresh. A new location, just everything. Destination? Anchorage. The future looked ever so bright, promising, and positive. She had really high hopes in enrolling at the Alaska Career College. Her dream was to someday become a medical assistant. So the following day after her move, which would be October 10th, it was early in the morning, around 3 a.m., when she calls a friend in Fairbanks. It's obvious that the woman is very intoxicated, and she shares with a friend that she is lost. Well, unfortunately, the community she got lost in at the time, Spennard, was rather notorious for its extremely high crime rates. But she had just gotten into town the day prior, so she had no clue about high crime rates and what have you. Well, fast forward a couple of weeks later, no one has heard from Marianne. Just that one drunk phone call to her friend saying that she was lost. So her family, they arrived to Anchorage to search for her. Police do believe that foul play was involved. The family, they are beyond devastated. What family would not be? Then another blow to the family tree. Marianne's brother takes his own life a little over two years after she had gone missing. He never got over the loss of his sweet sister, and he blamed himself for not being able to protect her and keep her safe. Two years later, the year is now 2014. Jael Tierra Hamblin was a 20-year-old woman who had gone out with her roommate, Kendra, for a nice dinner one October evening. It is said that she was not having that great of a day. She was actually in a rather foul mood as she was having relationship problems with her boyfriend. The two women, they come back home, but Hamblin receives a text message from a mystery man requesting to hang out with her. Maybe she knew him. Maybe she was trying to get back at her boyfriend. Perhaps she wasn't ready to call it a night. She decides to go out and meet this unidentified man. 
Well, fast forward the following morning and Kendra wakes up to find the house empty. She reports her roommate missing and a search is conducted. Several months after her disappearance, Hamlin's purse is found buried in the snow. To this day, her disappearance remains a mystery. Five years later, the year is now 2019. Shana Omen, she was visiting a friend in Fairbanks one fine June day. After their visit, her friend drives her to Nico River and drops her off. She's not too far from home, but she never makes it. She is reported missing by her concerned roommate. She is never seen again. The following year, in 2020, Frank Minano vanishes into thin air. It is believed that he had gotten lost in the woods. Now, nothing is really known about what took place with Frank. Authorities do know that the first day he was reported missing, he seems to have taken shelter in a cabin. He remains a missing person to this very day. We are still in the year 2020. 34-year-old Willis Derendoff was last seen on November 10th of 2020. Six other Native Alaskans vanish in Fairbanks around the same time. Willis, he was very loved. He was an extremely talented musician. Impressingly enough, he was only five years old, or five years young, when he taught himself how to play the guitar. He worked in a mine in his hometown of Huslia, Alaska, and in October, after finishing work for the season, he was very excited to head over to Fairbanks for a much-needed and deserved vacation. His last form of communication was the morning of his disappearance to his mother. He had shared with her that he was not feeling very well and he was planning to take a COVID test later that day. His family, along with several others, searched far and wide, and they never gave up hope. His father searched for a good year, but had to go home back to Huslia due to his declining health. He was rather fatigued and extremely ill. And I am saddened to report that it only was 18 days after he came home that he died due to pancreatic cancer. So, so sad. This poor family is already going through the despair of losing somebody, of missing a person, their beloved family member, and then they have another loss in the family. I just, so heartbreaking. And even though his father was sick and feeling as horrible as one could humanly feel, I imagine, excruciating pain he must have been dealing with, he never gave up hope searching for his boy. To this day, Willis remains a missing person. The final missing person I want to talk about vanished also in 2020. Doran Sanford went out one August day searching for his beloved Rottweiler named Groot. Prior to the disappearance of this dog, he had been telling his family that he was planning on buying some land and was really excited about that. His family grew extremely concerned when they had not heard from the young man and he was really good with calling and checking in and just, you know, keeping the line of communication always open for his family and friends. 
So suddenly, when things grow extremely silent, they knew something was terribly wrong. The last known sighting of Sanford was on August 28th as he walked close to the airport road in Fairbanks, searching for his best furry buddy, Groot. Those two were as thick as thieves. They were best buds and enjoyed each other's company. If you saw one, the other wasn't too far away. During an investigation, it was revealed that a Rottweiler had been at a shelter nearby and it had been euthanized. My heart dropped when I first heard about this, but, you know, many could not help but wonder if that was the missing man's dog that was put down. But many cast a doubt if it was the same dog, if that was Groot, because at the shelter they had shared that this particular canine had been extremely aggressive and rather violent. But anybody who knew Groot, the Rottweiler, was, you know, they knew that he was quite the opposite. He was not a violent dog, but he was tender and loving. This only happened three years ago, you guys, and I see stories about missing animals, especially dogs, coming back to their owners 10 plus years later. So I ask if anyone is in the area of Fairbanks or surrounding areas for that matter, and they come upon a Rottweiler, please, please report it as it can be the missing dog Groot. Any information about this case or any of the other cases that I talked about, please reach out to the Anchorage Police Department at 907-786-8900. Or if you're a local, 911 will do just fine. Or you could reach out to the Alaska State Troopers at 907-783-0972. Whether it happened decades ago or just a couple years ago, any tip, small or large, could possibly help break a case and bring a missing loved one back home. Please be sure to stop by next Monday for part two of the Alaska Triangle series. Planes vanish without a trace. Serial killers use the area for dumping grounds and more. This week's special city shoutouts go to Bordeaux, France, Santiago, Chile, Hounslow, England, Earlsfield, England, Ojima, Wisconsin, and Hamden, Connecticut. As always, everybody, thank you. It's greatly appreciated. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Listen to the others. They are all spooktacular. Haven't heard every single one yet? No need to fret, dearies. Just head on over to any of those freakishly awesome podcast platforms such as Google Chrome, Sonos, Player FM, GeoSavin, Podbean, iTunes, Basically, wherever you may roam to hear your other spooky podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Brothers podcast lurking in the background. Thanks, everyone. And I know some may be traveling this week for the holiday. If so, please, safe travels to you all. And I will see you next week. <laughs>